Well, if you have your Bibles, let's turn to Genesis chapter 45. And, uh, you know, I, I love the Old Testament pictures that God paints. Some of them are portraits of individual people. Some of them are pictures and portraits of doctrines and things that are taught in the Old Testament about things that are a reality or were going to be a reality in the New Testament. I, I think, of course, of uh, the Lamb of God and um, the Passover Lamb that the nation of Israel was commanded by God to take and for every family and that they were to take the blood and to paint the doorpost. Boy, what a rich, bright oil painting that is of the Lamb of God who shed His blood from before the foundation of the world and the blood is a painting over the doorpost of our heart that by grace through faith in the finished work and by assimilating the Lamb and the Lamb coming to live on the inside of us, the death angel passes over us, but he still reaches and touches those who have not faith and don't have their hearts painted by the blood of Christ. What a, what a wonderful painting that is in the Old Testament. But then you, you have people like this in Genesis 45 with Joseph. And I, I don't know, I'm sure that most of you realize and have noticed that uh, Joseph is the most beautiful portrait of Christ there is in the Old Testament. By portrait, I mean of, a, of an individual person. Uh, a a self-portrait is when you draw yourself and when you go and have your picture painted or drawn then somebody else is painting your portrait and and the painting that that joseph does of christ is unsurpassed there's nobody not 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 really only in the old testament but there's nobody in the new testament to compare with the picture that god draws of his son jesus christ in the life of that Joseph lived. And some of it wasn't even of his choice. It wasn't that Joseph was trying to do things that would line up as a picture of Jesus Christ the way that we should. We should imitate the life of Christ with our life. We should be trying to draw a portrait and a picture of Christ with every day that we live. But Joseph, boy, a lot of the things that went on in his life were uh, were just things that happened to him, he was passive in those things. Now, some of the things, of course, he was active. He was trying to be faithful uh, to God in those those things. Uh, one, one of the things was just as the Jews, you, you remember, the, the Jews said about Christ, we'll not have this man to rule over us. And what was the thing that his brothers said concerning Joseph? Joseph came with a revelation from God, a dream that he had, and said, God, God's going to have you bowing down and, and following after me. And they said, are we going to follow after you, you being one of the younger brothers? We will not have you to rule over us. Exact same thing that, uh, that the nation of Israel had said uh, about Christ. And, uh, of course, we also realized that Christ was sold out for how much? Thirty pieces of silver and uh, Joseph was sold out by his brothers they wanted to kill him to begin with and one of the brothers Reuben says no no let's let's don't kill him well what we can do is we can throw him down in this hole and and then when uh, when the people come by we'll we'll take him out of the hole we'll sell him into slavery we'll sell him into bondage to to Egypt uh, to the Ishmaelites 
and uh, we'll we'll be done with him. We'll be we'll be through with him. And of course, we realize that Judas sold out the Lord Jesus Christ, not not really realizing what it was that he was doing. He took the money, he threw it at the feet of the people who had given it to him. They went out and and bought a plot of land. And of course, the Bible teaches us that that ultimately it was. It was uh, Judas who bought the land with the money that was paid to him for blood. And he went out and hanged himself in a tree. And uh, you know the rest of, of that story. Well, the Jews, of course, wound up looking upon uh, the risen Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the one whom was sold out and who was murdered, hung on a tree the way that that uh, Judas went out and hanged himself on a tree. We, we think that, well, no, <clears throat> Jesus didn't go and hang himself. Of course, it was those Jews. It was those Roman soldiers. But the Bible says that God sent his son into the world, into the hands of angry sinners to be done exactly what was done. In other words, it wasn't the Jews, it wasn't the Roman soldiers, but ultimately it was God because of our sin. We played a part in the death of Jesus Christ, him being hung on the cross. Well, Judas, of course, the way that Christ willingly gave up heaven, put on flesh, became a man, went to the cross, shed his blood, and died for our sins. Judas went and hanged himself on a tree because of his sin. And then the Bible says that the Jews looked upon the risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so Joseph's brothers came face to face with him in Egypt. They thought, they thought they'd done away with him. They thought he was dead. They thought he was gone. They thought they'd never have to see him again until God arranged for a drought to come into the country. And they were sent there to buy food, to buy grain. And who did they have to buy it from other than Joseph himself? And they ran face to face into the brother that they thought that they had gotten Rid of Well, there's a lot of verses here in uh, chapter 45 that I want us to take a look at. But uh, first of all, just look at verse 1. It says, Then Joseph could not refrain himself before all them that stood by, and he cried, uh, Cause every man to go out from me. And there stood no man with him, while Joseph made himself known Unto his brethren. Do you realize that just as uh, Jesus Christ rose from the dead and revealed himself to the nation of Israel, so Joseph had to make himself known. They brought the brothers before Joseph. They looked at Joseph and they didn't remember. They didn't recognize him. They didn't know who he was. And the only way that they did recognize or understand who it was that they were dealing with was because Joseph had to take upon himself to reveal himself to his brethren. The Bible says that he came into his own. His own received him not. Jesus gave up heaven, put on flesh, became a man, came back to the nation of Israel, to his own people. And the Bible says that his own people to whom he came recognized him or received him not. Do you understand that's not only true for the nation of Israel? But that that's true for every man, woman, boy, and girl on the face of the earth. The only people on the planet that recognize Jesus are the ones to whom Christ reveals himself 
too. He takes off the blinders. He removes the shape from the mind. He opens our heart and our understanding to see who it is that he was. I love the verses uh, in Luke chapter 24, verse 15 through 21. And it talks about these disciples that are walking on the road to Emmaus. And all of a sudden, Jesus shows up while they're discussing what has happened. Well, what has happened was the death burial of Christ, the crucifixion of Christ and all of the life that he had lived. And they were discussing all of the things. And he showed up and he started talking to them along the way. And the Bible says very clearly that their minds were blinded that they might not recognize him. Do you understand that our minds have been blinded because of sin that we might not recognize who he was? The Bible says the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, neither can they. They cannot recognize. They cannot comprehend. They cannot receive. They cannot understand who Christ is until Christ reveals himself. Just a few verses after that, I believe that was in verse 16 of Luke uh, 24, but then somewhere around uh, verse 25 or somewhere in there, it says that then he revealed himself to them. Have you had Christ revealed to you? I mean, literally. Uh, what happens is the blinders, the, the wage of sin is death. And death, how blind is death? How, how dead are we? How separated? How unable to help ourselves in any way? Much less visually. We can't help ourselves even physically when it comes to spiritual things. Again, the natural man receiveth. The natural man is the lost man. The natural man is the spiritually blind or dead man. And he cannot receive the things of Christ until Christ removes the blinders through regeneration. That's waking us up. The wage of sin is death. How blind is a dead person? But when regeneration takes place, God takes the blinders off and reveals Himself to us. Boy, what a, what a blessing the revelation of Christ is. But the re revelation of Christ to us is, is very much like that revelation of Joseph to his brothers. I want you to notice a couple of things. It's the revelation of one whom have well, we, we have rejected. Of course, Joseph's brothers rejected him. We don't want anything to do with him. They, they were, the Bible says, they were troubled in his presence when Joseph showed up. Of course, Joseph pleaded for his life when they threw him down in the hole. The Bible says very clearly, uh, what is that? Uh, the same book, um, Genesis chapter 42, verse 21. It says, when they threw him down in the hole, that G Joseph was looking up out of the hole and pleading for his life to his brother. And his brethren would not, not could not, but would not hear what it was that his plea was for. He was pleading for his life and they rejected him. And my friend, I want you to realize something that, that uh, the world rejected Christ. Uh, it, it is exactly the same thing that took place with Joseph. But in, in verse 3, it, it says there was a revelation uh, of the guilty past. Revelation of one whom they had rejected. And now the revelation or the understanding, the opening of the mind, the heart, the understanding of, of the guilt and the shame. You see, I, I can't help but think that when they find out who he is in Egypt... 
that they remember looking down at him in that hole and him looking up at them and pleading for his life and begging for mercy from his own brother. He came unto his own and his own received him not. They rejected him and sold him into bondage, into slavery, thinking that, well, we won't have to kill him. But certainly if we sell him into slavery to these Ishmaelites, they take him to Israel, sell him into bondage there, that ultimately he'll die. We'll never see him again. Now they've been confronted with him. And here they are thinking, boy, I remember the look on his face when he was pleading for us to spare his life. But they also had the revelation of grace when they showed up in Egypt and Joseph revealed himself to them, opened their heart, opened their mind, opened their understanding to who he was. They, they remembered the rejection. They remembered the guilt but they now also understand the grace. What was it that Joseph told them in verse 5 here in 45? He says, now, therefore, be not grieved nor angry with yourself. Now, grieved is talking about fearful. Don't be afraid. You see, they have sold him into bondage. They looked at him and rejected him and ignored his cries for help and his pleas for mercy. And now they're feeling guilty. And not only are they feeling guilty, but they're angry at the decision that they had made. And now they're afraid for their lives. But the grace of God is revealed to them in this man named Joseph. Joseph said, you meant it for evil. God meant it for good. You realize that when we come face to face with Jesus Christ, we are guilty of the blood of Christ. I had somebody the other day ask me, who was it that murdered Jesus Christ? Was it, the, was it the Roman soldiers or was it the nation of Israel? And I said, ultimately, we all had a hand in the crucifixion and the murder of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that Pontius Pilate and all of the people of that day were gathered together to do exactly what God the Father sent Him into the world to be done. All of those people were guilty of the blood of Christ. By the way, we're all guilty of the blood of Christ because He died for our sin. Do you understand? We are guilty, but we understand the grace of God in that Christ, God sent Christ into the world to die for us that we might be forgiven of our sins. Joseph looks at his brothers and says, don't be grieved. Don't be afraid. Don't be bitter. Don't be angry. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And I forgive you for what it is that you've done. You don't have to worry about me trying to get even with you. That was Acts chapter 4, verse 27 through 28, where it says, Herod and Pontius Pilate, the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together for to do whatsoever the hand, thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. Do you, remember, do you understand that it was the hand and the counsel of God? that sent Jesus Christ into the world to be crucified by the hands of angry sinners and even angry sinners who had not yet been born. Us, our sin was against Him, but God had mercy on us. What a picture Joseph is of the revelation, the unveiling. You remember the book of Revelation. Everybody wants to show up to study the book of the Revelation. Amen. Hard to get them to come to study the book of Galatians, the difference between law and grace. But I'm telling you, without the truth of God saving us out of the law by grace, 
the, that revelation, that understanding that God gives to us would not be possible. But it's not only the revelation that Joseph is a portrait or a picture of Christ, but it's also the commission. You look at what it goes on to say. We'll, we'll read from verse 5 to verse 9. It says, Now therefore be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that you sold me hither, for God did send me before you to preserve your life. For these two years hath the famine been in the land. And yet there are still five more years to go, in the which there shall neither be earring of the corn or harvest. God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not that you, not you that sent me hither, but God. And he hath made me a father of Pharaoh and the Lord of all of his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Haste ye, go up to my father, and say unto him, Thus saith thy son Joseph, God hath made me lord over Egypt. Come, come down unto me, and tarry not. Now listen, the commission that we're talking about is is that as God has sent us to go into the world, God sent Jesus Christ. To go into the world and to bring a message to a lost and dying world. He's, he's doing the same thing through Joseph and his brethren now that have been uh, unveiled. They took the, took the veil off of his eyes, off of their eyes, off of their heart. And he's sending them back now to his father, to the people of the land from which he came. And he's saying, you go back and you tell them that his son is still alive. Isn't that an amazing thing? They'd been reconciled to exalt their kingly brother that had told them, one day I'm going to rule over you. They said, that's not going to happen. We're sorry, I don't understand who you think you are, but you'll never rule over us. And now all of a sudden, they're at his feet in Egypt where God has made him the number two man on the planet. And of course, that kingly brother has now given them the great commission, the same way that he had given the heavenly father gave God the son, the commission to come here and to die for the people and to spread the news, the good news, the gospel of his death, burial and resurrection. By the way, we've been given that commission to go out and to spread that to a lost and dying world. I, I love the way that it says in Mark chapter 16, verse 15. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and to preach the gospel to every creature. What is the commission that we've been given? What is, what is it that we've been called to proclaim? Well, that he's alive. You, you look again at verse 26 and it says this. It says, And he told him, saying, Joseph... Thy son is alive, and he's a governor over all the land. My friend, do you realize that we've been given a commission to go into the world and to share the gospel of Jesus Christ and to tell the world that the Son of God is alive? 
I once was dead, but now I'm alive. That God, because He raised His Son back from the dead, just as Joseph was risen from the dead, taken out of the hole in the ground and sold into slavery and bondage into Egypt, and now He has been risen, risen to the number two position in all of the land. Of course, we realize that Jesus Christ humbled Himself to God the Father. Number one. Number two. That I bow to my heavenly Father and I come to earth to live a life that is a message to lost and dying man. That by grace through faith that you can be brought into the family of God. And our message is to proclaim the life, the death, the burial, the resurrection, but the life of Jesus Christ. The gospel is the power of God, the Bible says, unto salvation. First of all, to the Jew. But then also to the Gentile, Romans chapter 1, verse 15 through 18. Not only are we to proclaim that he's alive, but we're to proclaim that he is exalted. You look back at verse 8 where we've already gone through. It says, so now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. And he hath made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all of his house and a ruler through all the land, just as Joseph was exalted. My friend, Jesus Christ has been exalted and should be exalted in, in the world. I, I'm afraid that we, we do a pretty poor job of that exaltation thing of Christ. We, we tip our hats. We drop our dollar in the plate. We show up for Sunday morning service. But living a life of exaltation to the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ with every inch, every ounce, every fiber, every breath of our being, we fail at that and fail at it miserably. Now, I, I, I understand that ultimately, in the end, God shall be exalted the way that He's supposed to be. Every knee shall bend and every head shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. My friend, we should be living a life that screams that with every inch, every ounce, every fiber of our being. We should be living a life that brings glory and honor and exaltation to the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God hath made me Lord over all, is what Joseph said. And of course, we should be saying the same thing about Jesus Christ. The very keys of hell and death are in His hands. Sometimes I think that we think our life is in our own hands. Not so. Not so. Those people over on the other side of the planet that are going through the war right now with Russia, their lives are not in their hands. Their lives are not in Russia's hands. Their lives are in God's hands. And we should exalt Him. But it's not only we should proclaim that He's alive and that He's exalted. It's that He He is willing to receive us. You see, that's, that's what we're talking about in verse 9 that we read where it says, Haste ye, go up to my father and say unto him, Thus saith thy son Joseph, God hath made me Lord over all of Egypt. Come to me. Tarry not. He's willing to accept us 
Even though we sold him into slavery, even though we nailed him to a cross, even though it was our sin that shed his blood from before the foundation of the world in the mind of God, God is willing to accept, receive, to forgive us if we'll bend the knee and bow the head, surrender our hearts and our lives to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. But I'm afraid that that exaltation thing that I was talking about, we're not willing to exalt him with all of our lives, neither are we willing to surrender our lives to him. And there's a lot of people who have been deceived there by be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving our own self. We lie to ourselves and swallow the lie when nobody else could lie to us. We're not willing to listen to the lies of other people. Boy, I'll tell you what, it's real easy for us to con ourselves. Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28 says, go and say, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. See, we want the rest. We want the rest, but we, we don't want the labor. We don't want to go out and labor in the fields, labor in the harvest. The Bible says, send laborers into the fields, for the harvest is ripe. You know, it's, it's ready for the plucking, and yet... We're not going out and sharing our testimony. We're not going out and teaching the Word of God, living the Word of God, and using words if necessary. That we are supposed to preach the Gospel to every creature under heaven. That is the commission that God has given unto us. So we see the revelation. We see the commission. We also see the uh, reception. You look... At uh, this, how, how did how did Jacob, by the way, receive the message that was sent by his son through the rest of his children? I mean, they these boys that sold him into slavery and murdered him in their minds, they thought he was dead and that he was not coming back. They wouldn't have to, to put up with him in his little pretty coat of many colors anymore. We're, we're done with that. Until they run into him over in Egypt. And now he's he's the... The son of Pharaoh, the number two man in all of the land. And now he sends him on a commission to go back and to bring to him his, his father. And when, when he goes and Jacob hears the message that was sent to him by Jacob, how did he receive that message? Well, he received it the same as a whole lot of people receive the message of Christ today. He doubted. You look at verse 26. It says, And they told him, saying, Joseph is yet alive. We thought he was dead. We, we brought you that coat of many colors with the blood stains all in it. We thought we, thought we saw a, a beast of the field ravage his body and kill him. That's what we told you, but we were mistaken. They told him, saying, Joseph is still alive, and he's the governor over all the land of Egypt. And, and Jacob's heart fainted. Why? Because he believed it not. Most of the world lies in unbelief today. Straight is the gate, narrow is the way that leads to righteousness. Few there be that find it. But broad is the gate, wide is the road that leads to destruction. Many there be that go in there. What is that wide road that leads to destruction? It is the road or the path of unbelief and rejection and even Jacob, the, the father that loved his son more than all of his other sons, 
When he heard that Jacob was alive, the Bible says that he believed him not. It was too good to him to be true. But I believe that the world today, they reject Jesus Christ, not because it's too good to be true, but to them it's too bad to be true. We will not have this man to rule over us. We don't want it to be true that he rose again from the dead because that means there's a God that we have to be answerable to. That means there's a God that one day I'm going to stand before and give an account of my life. They don't want to believe that. But even though it says in verse 26 that he believed not, that he doubted, it also says that he believed. The Bible says when he saw the proof, he said, it is enough. What is it is enough? Well, once the evidence... You see, we don't believe by blind faith. People say, oh, you Christians, man, y'all just, y'all believe in fairy tales. Y'all, y'all just step off, you put blinders on and you step off a cliff hoping that there's something there that'll catch you. But that's insanity. Nobody believes in God by blind faith. There has got to be something that changes our heart and mind. I'll tell you, I've told you before, these are 66 books in between the covers of this book. 66 different books written by 40 different people. Uh, over a 15, those 40 different people lived a 1500 year span of time. They were separated by 1500 years. Oh, they were separated by three different continents. This book was written in three different languages. There's not another book on the planet that can boast. The things that Bible, the Word of God, boast. I tell people at, at the prison, uh, I say, there's prophecy, uh, I believe it's in Psalm 22, that have a five-layer depth to it. It's kind of like me saying tomorrow it's going to rain. Fifty fifty shot, right? Louisiana. But if I say tomorrow it's going to rain at exactly when the second strikes 12 o'clock straight up, that's when the first drop of rain is going to hit the ground. Now you're talking a couple thousand to one. Don't think that's going to happen. But when it hits the ground at exactly one o'clock, there's going to be an earthquake. Billion to one. No way that's going to happen. It's not only going to be an earthquake, but the earthquake is going to be so strong that it's going to make the Mississippi River run backwards all the way to St. Louis, Missouri. You say, you've lost your stinking mind. And that's only a four-deep prophecy. There's prophecy in 22 that goes five-deep. And every one of them came true. How can that be outside of God? See, we do not believe in God by blind faith. There is much more evidence for God than there is for Napoleon Bonaparte. There's more evidence for Jesus Christ, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ than there are for things that we choose to believe in that has less evidence. But you look at this. He decided, I will go. You see, the reception, first of all, he doubted. Second of all, he believed. And third of all, he made a decision. My friend, we make a decision to reject Jesus Christ in spite of the evidence. It's time for us to realize that we need to make a decision for Christ. You say, oh, well, you know, the things you teach, you can't do that. Well, 
I can if God moves my heart, illuminates my mind, regenerates my soul, draws me to Himself. Has God moved in your heart? Are you telling me that that you don't believe in God? That you don't feel the movement of the Holy Spirit? That you've never been born again or regenerated by the Holy Spirit and by the washing of the water of the Word of God? Then if, if not, you should fall on your face begging Him the way we were talking this morning. Well, I, I can't make God do something. No, but I can plead with Him. You say, well, yeah, but if I'm not born again, if God's not doing it in me, I'll fall away and stop doing it. Well, have you tried? Are you begging God to open your heart, your mind, your understanding? Are you begging God for light and illumination in the Word of God that He might teach you the truths of the Word of God? Are you surrendering your body? You say, well, I can't surrender my heart, my mind, my will, and my emotions in my heart, but I can bring my body into subjection. But I'll guarantee you this, that when God sends us light, if we act on the light, God will send us light. But when we reject the light, God takes away the light that He has given us rather than giving us more light. He decided, I will go. Let me ask you the same question, will you? Will you go to Him for salvation? Will you go to the cross of Christ? You know, the cross is nothing more than an altar, really. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an instrument of death. But we come to the cross and we bow at the cross of Christ where the blood of Christ was shed that God might have mercy on us. We come to the altar. The altar of burnt sacrifice. Christ was sacrificed for our souls. Not only to receive salvation, we make a decision to be saved, but we also make a decision to come to the cross and rededicate, recommit, resurrender our hearts, our lives, our souls, everything that we are to everything that He is, knowing that even though God has saved us last year, five years, 30 years ago, I'm not living the life that I should be living. So therefore, I, I make a decision. I go to the altar, this altar, that altar, to bow and to kneel and to cry out to God in repentance, to rededicate, to recommit my heart, my life, my time to Christ. We go to the world. We make a decision to come for salvation. We make a decision to come to the altar for rededication. But we have also got to make a decision to go into the world. That's what He called us to do. To go ye therefore and preach the gospel to every creature under heaven. My friend, there's a lot of creatures out there that have never heard the gospel and even more that have never seen it lived out in somebody else's life. We should preach the gospel and use words if necessary. And yes, it's necessary. God chose by the foolishness of preaching that some might be saved. Live the life. Don't just talk the talk. Walk the walk. Live the life. Be a portrait of Christ. See, we can be a picture to the lost and dying world around us of what Christianity is really supposed to be. Let's pray. Father, forgive us for our sin. God, everywhere we fall short of that portrait, of that perfect picture of Jesus Christ, wherever we fail, that's sin. We confess, we repent. Help us, O oh God, to turn, to do better than we've ever done in the past. Forgive us and strengthen us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name.
and for his sake. Amen.